A long, long time ago, I was a pretty average musician. I refused to practice, wasn't able to handle constructive criticism, and thought that my music history lecture on a Monday night was a great excuse to head to the uni bar. But one of the few things about jazz improvisation that I learned and has actually stuck with me is that the notes that you don't play are just as important as the ones that you do. In other words, the spaces in between are what gives the notes their impact. Silence and space makes the music better. It frames the melodies and phrases. And this counterintuitive concept is something that I also noticed when I first started to conduct wedding ceremonies as a celebrant. By most accounts, it's the 100 or 200 plus person mega extravaganza weddings with all the trimmings that get the lion's share of attention and seem the most fun. But I've got to say, some of the most intimate and moving experiences I've had at weddings are those with just a handful of highly invested fam and friends. Sometimes it's the smaller weddings and the time and space they allow for everyone who attends that feel a little more intentional with guests that are present and deeply involved. While large weddings are a blast, often because of the vibe that lots of people gathered together can bring and the go, 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 smaller weddings have advantages that you might not appreciate at first glance. And so this week, my guest, the incredible Amy Parfett, co-founder of Wedge Shed Gravy and now an author, is going to break micro weddings down for you. Today, you'll learn how post-COVID times and the cost of living crisis are affecting wedding plans, trends, and the timing of getting married, the big advantages of little micro weddings, and Amy's easy three-step how-to-get-started guide for planning a micro wedding of your very own. And if you're listening to this in late October, early November of 2023, Amy, her other co-founder, Melanie, and their publishers have kindly gifted you the chance to win one of five copies of their brand new wedding planning book, Get Wed. The comp will start on Instagram at Unbridely on Sunday, the 29th of October, 2023, and will run for four days only. So make sure you're following Unbridely on Instagram to enter for your chance to win your very own copy of Get Wed. Let's get stuck into it. Unbridely is a community of pro-wedding vendors who believe in freedom and integrity in weddings, giving you options, solutions, tips and tricks to create the experience and memories that you and your fiancé really want and deserve. Because we believe that weddings are a team sport. With how-tos, stories and interviews with recently married couples, we find out what went right and what they'd change if they could go back and do it all over again. I'm Camille and welcome to the Unbridly podcast. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Bloody stoked to finally chat with you because you are a bit of an icon in wedding circles in Australia. Oh, gosh. Um, shucks, but surely not. You are. You are. Everyone knows you. Everyone knows what you and Melanie have created, what you do, how you turned venues to start with upside down. So, yeah, perhaps you should share a little bit about where you've come from and what you do now. Well, that is such a nice wrap, Camille. Thank you so much. Um, so our backgrounds are 
not in the wedding industry, funnily enough, as probably, you know, most people in the wedding industry, a lot of them land here by accident. And that was the case for us. So our backgrounds, well, mine personally was in communications, in copywriting, in journalism. My best friend and co-founder Mel's background was in fashion and corporate events. Uh, and they, that's what we were doing when we first came, I guess, across the twinkle of an idea of Wedshed. Um, to give you a bit of background, Mel and I have been best mates since we were about six years old. We've known each other Aww. for the, most of our lives. Yeah, it's a pretty special thing. I know it's quite sweet. We went to primary school together. Uh, we followed each other throughout our adolescent years. We went and traveled the world together when we were 21 and literally lived top to toe in backpackers. And so we, we would know each other very intimately, I would say. We actually joke that it's a shame that we're not attracted to each other sexually because it would have just made life so much easier. That would have been really convenient. It would have been so convenient. But alas, we, you know, our husbands are great mates. And it was when we were living in London together with our partners uh, that we started thinking about weddings because the first of our close girlfriends was getting married and her wedding venue unfortunately cancelled just a few weeks out. And so she was in a bit of a pickle and came to Mel and I knowing that, you know, we were pretty good at sleuthing stuff on the internet asking for help finding a wedding venue. And we thought, sure, this is going to be you know, a piece of cake. Like there's got to be so many different places to find curated <laughs> lists of great spaces that aren't daggy. Famous last words. And we came to realize that that was not it. There were a lot of, you know, there were different directories and things out there, but a lot of the time they were very bridal. So not gender neutral. They were very, you know, pink frills, like spoke to only brides as though, we were busting to get married from the moment we took our first breath out of the womb and mm. that just didn't speak to us at all. And so we thought, hang on, you know, for something that so many people go through this like ritual, why is there no one speaking to modern couples in a way that actually reflects what they're all about and, and talks to them on the same level? And so that was where the idea for Wedged really came from. I think we were probably... I don't know, five wines deep on the floor of our tiny apartment in London at the time and thought, yeah, that's a good one. Let's, let's sit on that. And eventually came back to Australia and thought, okay, there's still something here. Let's do something about it. Um, we didn't have any savings. So we took on the management of a small farm down in Kangaroo Valley to kind of, you know, get started, which ended up being this incredible learning curve as we were able to get to grips with all of the problems, all of the behind the scenes of what goes on from a wedding perspective. At the same time, we were also, you know, sort of on the way to planning our own weddings as well. Wow. That's a steep learning curve, Amy. It was a steep learning curve. Look, I think anyone going into any business, that's the only way you can go about it, right? You can read, you can listen. Oh, yeah. Um, you can do all the research, but it's not until you actually, you know, roll your sleeves up and actually get into it that you really start to understand how it all works. And so... You know, we launched Wedshed in 2015 and as you said, Camille, it started as a uh, platform really to find unique wedding venues that were very curated and kind of places that we would want to get married at as well. And we quickly evolved that and opened it up to all sorts of different wedding vendors across the board. And since then, it's, it's also changed. You know, we offer digital wedding planning resources for couples. We uh, have a second-hand wedding like a pre-loved marketplace for wedding goods as well, an e-commerce website. We also launched during COVID a pandemic business called Gravy, which is a digital wedding registry. Yes. You can 
ask, you know, gather cash elegantly, but also ask for gifts of human time, like dog sitting or blood donations or a date night designed as well. And we've also got a book coming out at the end of October. So it's been a, a big journey, lots of ups and downs, some pandemic induced as well as yes. I'm sure you you understand. Yes, absolutely. Because like everything else on the planet, weddings got absolutely thrown into turmoil. I mean, anything you did in person, I mean, it was fucked. So yet what have you seen? Like what have yourself and Mel learned across COVID? And, you know, now we're in a cost of living crisis and things like that. How are you seeing that play out in weddings? Yeah, man, it was such a gut-punching time, wasn't it? I think that while the pandemic, it was such a horrendous time for anyone working in the industry and anyone getting hitched as well with all the lockdowns, the restrictions. I mean, all the best laid plans are just bulldozed. But I think the silver lining from that is that it really stuck a rocket up that personalization movement that we've been seeing in the wedding space for a while. So we see that the next wave of engaged couples, they're really carefully taking stock of the things that are important to them and what matters to their wedding. And they're putting their energy and their budget into those things. The stuff that directly reflects their passions, their personalities. We love that. Far more conscious spending on a wedding is a very, very good thing. Um, and I think that people are looking at, they're really consciously considering all the nice to haves beyond having a legal officiant or a celebrant that's there to get you married. And I think the other thing that we're really noticing is that we're seeing a greater relaxing of traditions as well. Mm. Um, because often, you know, weddings, they might not reflect real life or in the past they didn't necessarily reflect real life. And so what I mean, I guess some examples of this in the wedding ceremony space is that it's really like in real life, you never have to play favorites, right? Between your parents. But traditionally, you know, our father would walk a bride down the aisle. And so we are loving seeing the fact that the aisle moment's getting revolution with, you know, if a bride chooses to walk down an aisle, she might be flanked by both parents. Uh, grooms are walking down the aisle, couples are walking down the aisle, arm in arm, hand in hand. The aisle moment is getting done away with altogether and people are just, you know, oh, let's just let's just start, let's kick this off and they'll just walk up and, you know, we'll maybe get to the wedding, spend the first moments mingling with their friends and family and then the ceremony begins versus it being this really um, sort of like big aisle moment that, you know, is so wonderful as well. But for a lot of people, it can be a bit dramatic or a bit scary too. It's great if you choose it, I think, Amy, but if you don't choose it and it's forced upon you by tradition, then it's, well, it's not joyful. No, it's, and people get really panicked if they don't want to do it. They're like, oh God, I've got to tell mum and dad. I've got to, you know, there's all these other knock-on effects. I think some people are also, yeah, as you were saying, getting emboldened by the opportunity to do yeah. things differently. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the thing, like it's, we're just seeing more couples think very carefully about the different things that happen in a wedding or that traditionally happened and uh, either discarding or adopting or just adapting the, the different elements to it that suit them and suit their comfort levels as well because that's really important. At the end of the day, you know, it is an event that is kind of inherently all eyes on you and if you don't want that, it's okay. It's okay to have a smaller ceremony and then have a bigger reception with the rest of your friends and family afterwards as well. It's it's really anything goes beyond the legal stuff that has to go. Yeah, of course. <laughs> everything else is up for, up for interpretation. Yeah, which is, I mean, I think, as you said, Amy, surely that's better for everyone. It's better for the couples getting married. It's better for the guests. 
Um, I think the wedding industry feels recharged by the opportunity to be more creative and to do things that are maybe a bit unexpected, maybe not completely traditional. But you hinted at something just then, and you know, we saw it in COVID weddings a lot, was the smaller wedding ceremony. And sometimes, you know, we had those done in COVID times. And then a year later, they were having their reception with more people. But like what I wanted to really pick your brain about is this idea of micro weddings. So for those who are not across, like what a micro wedding is and what it's all about, can you share? Absolutely. So a micro wedding is, it kind of hints at what it is on the box. It's a small intimate gathering or a party, which we'd characterize by a guest list of around 10 to 50 people. Um, so bigger than an elopement, but smaller than the national average of a wedding guest list, which a few years ago was around 98 guests. And so the beauty of a micro wedding is that the focus really is on each other, the couple, and the getting married part versus the wedding itself. We understand that micro weddings evolved, you know, out of initial like necessity, as you said, during COVID, you know, we, we were limited. We only had smaller numbers that we could actually get married with. But I think people then realize the benefits to that and how joyful and special a smaller celebration can be. And I mean, not to mention that it can also be a more affordable way to get married and a, a way to lavish those guests that are actually in attendance with, you know, more special things as well. So often what we're finding is that even though a micro wedding typically costs less overall, the cost per head per guest is often higher because there might be you know, top-notch wines or beers, you know, more bespoke decor and experiences as well that you just couldn't afford having a larger wedding. So it ends up being quite an experience for that intimate crew of people that are there. I love that too, that idea that one of the advantages is less people but more quality, maybe food, maybe drinks, maybe entertainment, um, you know, rather than having $121 favors which you know people leave behind or throw away you can actually put that towards yeah something really substantial that means something to you definitely and i think it the people who are in attendance feel hyper special because they know that they've firstly made the cut and secondly they can see the care and effort that's gone into making them feel really special at on that couple's special day i think another great reason to consider a micro wedding if you know you're that way inclined is that if you're feeling nervous about the wedding as well or you're uh, dealing with any uh, I guess like family dramas it can be also be a really nice way of conveniently discarding the drama because you know you can keep things pretty tight <laughs> but also there's again there's less pressure because there's less people there as well so it can make people who don't really want the kind of, I guess, the spectacle and not saying that bigger weddings are full of spectacle, they're absolutely not. But if they, you know, if they want to keep things more intimate and spend more quality time with the people that are there, a micro wedding really allows you to do that. So I think that that's the other thing about the pandemic. It really helped you define, okay, well, what's actually important to me and who are the important people in my life? I'm not going to invite, you know, Susan from accounts just because we have lunch once a month yes. together. It's you know, really thinking about, okay, who are the people who are here with us and have supported us and who are going to be there for the long haul as well? Mm. And I mean, the cost of living, it's not something that we can get away from really. And so it just goes with basic maths. The more people that are there, the more expensive it's going to be, the more people you have to feed, you have to provide, you know, beverages for, 
plates, cutleries, crockery, gifting if you want to. It all kind of stacks up, right? Yeah. There's plenty of good reasons why micro-weddings, I think, are here to stay. Got to agree, Amy. Um, And, you know, another point there, like you were saying, that less numbers of guests mean that you get to spend literally more minutes, more quality time with guests. I was uh, chatting with another guest a little while ago. We were just going through the maths, which isn't a strong suit of uh, creatives, I've got to say. But we sat there, we nutted it out, and we worked out, you know, for an average wedding of 100 guests, that there would be a maximum of five minutes with each guest. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it, when you think about it that way? Same. And, and that's, you know, taking into account not eating, not going to the toilet, not dancing at all at your own wedding. Yeah, or having a silent moment just with your partner <laughs> as well, just to chill out or step away. Having a moment to breathe. Like, do they get counted in that five minutes? None of that for you. That's a luxury. No, no, no. We've got the rest of our lives. One of the other reasons why micro weddings are awesome is just that it gives you more time to spend with your actual partner on the day because I think, you know, it's it's easy to get lost, yeah. right? You, before you know it, I know for my wedding, there were a good couple of hours where I didn't see my husband and I was like, okay, wh- where have you been? He's like, where have you been? I was like, oh, okay, you know, we've only got a few hours left, like, Let's try and stick together and you can be conscious about that beforehand and that's what we'd really recommend is making sure that you really come together with your partner regularly and, you know, just hold hands a lot so you by default kind of joined. Yeah. But I think that micro weddings intrinsically allow you guys to to sort of be together and act as like a partnership on your wedding day as well when you are talking to your friends and family and not just sort of being separate, which I think can also increase the amount of good memories that you take away from the day because they're memories that you share together that you can talk about together as well. For sure, shared memories rather than maybe coming back to your hotel room at night and going, how was your wedding? No, how was your wedding? (laughs) So true. Let's face facts. You've always been the planner and the organiser. And your fiancé's eyes glaze over a little when you start talking about the details of your wedding day. But you really need someone to share this all with, to bounce ideas off, and someone who's not going to ruin the surprises, but also be supportive and maybe even offer a different perspective. So when you're needing to get a second opinion about your bridesmaid, your in-laws, or your first dance song, Unbridly Couples is your safe space. Unbridly hosts a private Facebook community where modern engaged couples can share ideas, chat, and solve problems, and generally just get freaking excited about their wedding. We also have a curated list of experienced wedding vendor professionals in there to offer suggestions and tips, insight into how to get the most out of your big day. But with no unsolicited DMs or pushy sales tactics, it's just not what Unbridly is about. So you can search for the Unbridly Couples Group on Facebook or just click on the link in the show notes. I'll see you in there. I was just thinking there, Amy, I mean, you touched on the the cost aspect, you know, less people, less cost, because you're thinking about, you know, the cost of food and drinks per head. You're thinking about maybe a venue that's a bit smaller that might cost less as well. You're not hiring as much furniture, maybe linens, napkins, decor in the center of the table, all these sorts of things. 
But what we're seeing, the Umbradley suppliers here in Adelaide, is that we're finding the cost of living is really impacting people's decisions of whether or not to get married in the next 12 to 18 months at all. And I think it needn't be a compromise of let's just wait till 2026. I think Mm. you can have a really enjoyable, substantial wedding for not as much as you think sooner as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like it's an interesting one. I know it's so interesting that you say that, Camille, because we definitely feel like there's a lot of hesitation on behalf of couples right now, understandably, just because of the cost of living and the unknowns that are going on right now in terms of how long that's that this period is going to last for as well. And by taking things down a notch or planning it differently doesn't mean that it's any less special, any less fancy. It just means that it's more affordable for you guys as well. And you can still work with the most incredible people to bring it together. And as people who DIY'd a lot of their wedding, we hand on heart recommend probably you know, not tackling it all yourself because it's just not feasible or it's, it's, you know, it ends up being a second job, basically. You make such a good point there about, you know, revisiting things and not necessarily holding onto doing something you want to until a future point because we don't know what the future holds either. Mm. So if you want to get married, there's definitely ways that you can go about it now versus having to wait until, you know, a time where things feel more stable. But just looking at it differently, I think that's so key. Yeah. Oh, God. I could talk to you all day, Amy. I really wanted to then start diving into DIY. What did you do that was bad? Let me share what I did that was bad. <laughs> that, would be, first. that would be such a good episode. <laughs> These are all the things I fucked up totally and would never do again in a million years. Um, okay. Maybe yes. maybe next time. Maybe next time. Next next one. On the micro weddings thing. So. You know, for this couple that's sitting there listening to you going, okay, all right, Amy's making sense. Maybe we can get married in 2024. Then where do couples start with, you know, planning their micro wedding? I think the first thing to do when you're planning a micro wedding or any wedding is really to get clear on your priorities. And so that is going to be the thing that really helps you shape all the stuff that you spend your money on as well. So when I say get clear on your priorities, you know, we advocate for you and your partner doing like a, I guess, a priorities and non-negotiable exercise. And, you know, for this, grab yourself a drink, a wine, a cup of tea, whatever you typically you fancy, get some paper, some pens, and just both of you write down the five things that you really want your wedding to have to feel like, um, different elements you want included in it. Perhaps it might be that, you know, you really want your dog to be available or you really need the venue to be accessible because of your friends and family and their needs. Or it might be that you just really want, you know, a shit hot wedding band or something like that. Write down those things, come together, compare answers. Um, if you have nothing in common, remove your engagement rings. Just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully what it does is it just gives you guys a starting place to figure out, okay, well, what's actually important to us before you start going down the path of, okay, you know, we need a photographer, we need a venue, we need transport, we need all these things because you don't. You yeah. don't need all the things. If you at least get clear on what's important to you both, then you can decide what are the things that you do need and everything else can go into the nice-to-have basket. I think that's important for weddings micro or sort of larger sized as well or even elopements too. I think the next thing after that has to be 
figuring out, okay, well, if we're going to do things a little bit smaller, who do we want there and how do we, how do we get to that point of deciding who actually is going to be present for our micro wedding? And our, our advice there is to really separate your friends and family into, you know, no-brainers and maybes as a starting point. And like once you've got your no-brainers down, that'll give you an idea of, okay, like, yep, we've got our essential crew here. Let's look at the maybes. And, you know, are we happy with the no-brainers? Is that enough people for us or do we need to, you know, try and pull it back even further? But if you can kind of separate your friends and family into those groups and and have a discussion that way, that could be, I'd say that's probably the next best thing, getting clear on your guest list. Because when it comes to a micro-wedding, your guest list is often going to inform the venue that you have. Yes. So some people who might be having a micro-wedding of, say, you know, 15 people, they could probably hire a property that all of their friends and family can stay on yeah. and enjoy the full weekend together and make a full experience of it. So get clear in your numbers first for a micro-wedding, then figure out your venue to follow as well because it makes sense to do it in that order and you'll, you'll kind of know where your options are. I love that you said that, Amy. I love that you own Wedshed and you said, well, you didn't say that rushing out and securing your venue as soon as possible, putting down a deposit. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, definitely don't do that because it's, you, you know, you could end up spending more than you need to as well. And you just yes. don't, that's not what anyone wants. Damn straight, damn straight. But I, I hear a lot of couples who go, okay, we need to find somewhere. And they go out for, you know, a few weekends in a row, find a venue and go, oh, their minimum numbers are 120. And that's the spiral, isn't it? It really is. And it can be. I think it's, it is a chicken and egg situation, right? So it's, it's a tricky one. If you know that you're going to have a bigger wedding, sometimes it can be helpful to be dictated by your venue that says, okay, well, you can only have up to you know 110 guests. It's like, fantastic. We have our limit that allows us to actually, you know, kind of hone in on our guest list and, and cull people. I think particularly for smaller weddings, it's just so much better to get an idea of who's going to be there, who's who, and then go about finding your venue once you have your armed with that information as well. I think, you know, when it comes to anything with weddings, you shouldn't rush into spending money or securing venues or doing anything without really, really thinking about it because, you know, we saw a study maybe a couple of years ago now that the effects of your wedding debt can really impact your marriage. And I mean, that sounds pretty straightforward, right? It's kind of common sense. But there was some some really alarming figures in there around how much your you know debt you had after your wedding day and how many financial pressures you have after your wedding day and what that actually does in terms of the the likelihood of success of a marriage. And so really need to be very, very thoughtful and careful about it and, and just you know keep in the back of your mind that yes, it is one day. Um, I don't say that to minimize the day at all. I say that more to empower you to make decisions about that day that you know, reflect how important your lives and love story is and all the things that you're interested in. But also think about the fact, okay, like this is one day that we get to celebrate ourselves, but then we've got the rest of our marriage afterwards. Yes. I feel like, Camilla, you know, we would, as any parents know, it almost is echoed in childbirth. There's so much focus on a birth and how are you going to have this baby? But then you've got a baby. You've got to like actually care for afterwards and you know try and feed and learn all this stuff about we focus so much on the main event sometimes forget what's to come and that's the same for weddings you know focus on the wedding yes it's going to be fantastic you're going to have such a freaking awesome day 
but also don't do that at the expense of stressing yourselves out on the other side of it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a good point, Amy. I did an episode with that exact study in it. Amazing. And so I'll make sure to link that in the show notes because it basically said that if you go into wedding debt, you have a higher percentage chance of getting divorced. And it was yes, it was clear as day. I mean, it makes sense. And like, I'll hold up the flag for being a person who was actually so shit at budgeting. I was very much a head in the sand kind of bride. And I say that like, that sounds privileged. We, you know, we didn't have much money or anything either, but, you know, I think it's so easy to to spiral out of control before you know it, particularly toward the end of the planning as well. And I think that, you know, my husband and I are touch wood happily married still. And so if you can be really conscious about your money, really conscious about the way you approach your wedding, that's only going to serve to strengthen the marriage that follows. So good, Amy. Okay. So the number one thing, the first thing that couples can do when they're planning a micro wedding was? Get clear on your priorities. And the second thing? Figure out your numbers. And then the third thing they should be doing? Then start looking for your wedding venue and planning the rest of it. Because everything else kind of, yeah, falls into place once you set that foundation, I feel. Especially, you know, you get your first vendor and then as you were saying, like your venue can inform your numbers or your numbers can inform your venue. But once you've got that and you've got that fit, then that sort of also leads you down a certain path for particular vendors because they might have worked there. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about your Get Wed book, Amy. How long has this been in the making? Probably about 18 months now, which seems crazy to us. We were approached by the commissioning editor of Alan and Unwin, who are our publisher, who was getting married. And she was like, there's just actually no books that kind of teach you how to get married. There are definitely wedding planning guides out there and there are wedding planning notebooks that can, you know, you can enter stuff into, but there just wasn't really anything that could take you, hold your hand, start to finish. Our vision for it and our, our goal really was to create something that was super inclusive for all kinds of couples, all kinds of love stories, and that allowed you to feel completely empowered to create a day that reflected what you're all about, but also it gives you really, really tangible advice on how to actually go about that. Because it's all well and good to say, do what you want, but it's not yeah. that easy when you don't even know what your options are. Yes. And so, you know, we, we try and help people like give everyone the lay of the land, lift the lid on what all the wedding vendors do in the industry so that people, you know, as couples are coming into it, I don't know what actually happens or what celebrants do, what photographers do. I certainly had no clue when I came into this space myself. And so the idea for us is to really create more transparency in the industry in the hopes that it helps couples plan their days better, helps make wedding vendors' lives easier as well because we've got a cohort of couples that you know, feel really confident in the decisions that they're making and and just plan a day that leaves them feeling less stressed and with no regrets at the end of it. I can't wait to get my hands on it, Amy. And so when does it come out and where can people get Get Wed? It comes out on October 31st, uh, so a nice spooky day, and they can get their hands on it. Uh, most places books are sold, so Booktopia, uh, Big W, Amazon, all sort of major bookstores. Beautiful. So everyone listening here in Australia and overseas can get their hands on it too. 
That's right. Yes. Yeah. We want to help, help as many couples as we can. That's so cool. And so if people also want to get on to, and I've got another episode, that's right, I have to link it in the show notes about gravy because in my opinion, it is hands down the best, most inclusive and most accessible registry option out there. So yeah, I'll link that episode in the show notes. But if people are looking for, God, wedge shed, gravy, uh, what else you got? Your online marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> where, where are you on the ground? You can find us at wedgeshed.com.au or at, at wedgeshed on Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok. We're kind of getting the ropes of things over there. Or gravy, you can find it Give With Gravy as well. Thank you so much, Amy, for your time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat to you, Camille. Cheers, mate. Bye. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Unbradley podcast. For the links and resources we mentioned, please head to the show notes. And if you love the show, please review and subscribe on the podcast platform you're on now so you don't miss out on a single episode. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, weddings are a team sport. Catch you soon.